a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. I'm so excited because I have watched her career, not just starting as a musician, but then to a public speaker and then on to doing programs throughout schools. Her name is Jessie Funk. And Jessie, I am so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for your time. Well, it's interesting because you have had the spotlight on you since you were just a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I, do you think it's those years of intense scrutiny as a teenage performer that made you sensitive to the needs of teens? Oh, absolutely. I had such a difficult teenage experience and I wanted to decode that and understand why it was so hard for me. So that's what led me to getting my undergrad in psychology. Now I'm in my doctorate for social work and I just want to dedicate my entire life to giving teenagers specifically the tools that I wish that I had had. You know, and when I hear someone say, and I'm getting a doctorate, that's significant work. It's an extraordinary project to take on, but the impact you get to have after that diploma comes your way is extraordinary. That's what I'm hoping. And, you know, for a lot of people, college isn't a necessary route, but I want to be a legit therapist. So and I want to run my own facility. So I thought that's something that I've I've really actually always wanted. I deeply, deeply value school. And so, you know, just to have that higher education, but to actually be able to use it, you know, to be a licensed clinical social worker so that I can do the kind of work that I want to do. Well, I want to talk about this because this is the dream now. It's Ivy Ranch. Tell us what uh, what it's about and why this has been your dream and how you're putting it together. Yeah. So since I was 12 years old, this has been my biggest dream ever to build an actual ranch um, that can be used as a leadership camp, like, you know, the normal summer camps, ropes course and canoes and animals and, and an actual functioning ranch during the summer. But then during the school year, I want to offer a suspension alternative program to Utah schools. So instead of kicking kids out of school, getting suspended or expelled, um, they could send them to us just as a resource and we could offer tutoring so they don't get behind in their classes, counseling to try to find the underlying reason why they're acting out in school and giving them a, just an experience to breathe, to reconnect with themselves, to disconnect from technology and to hopefully learn some skills that they can use to correct the negative behavior instead of just going back to school and being even more angry and even more behind in their classes. So we just want to have a, a space that's a true resource to Utah parents and to Utah schools. It's interesting because uh, over you know my lifetime, we've seen a real um, um, recognition that children learn differently mm. based on the way their brains are mapped to uh, yes. learning disabilities that might be their family life environment. That we that idea that one place 
one school with a certain structure outline will be able that all these children will be able to be successful in that environment. It's it's quite different, Absolutely. Uh, right? And, Absolutely. and and so we're learning like okay, maybe my child is an auditory auditory learner. Maybe mm-hmm. my child has dyslexia. Maybe there's a reason exactly. why my child is not enjoying school. Therefore, begins to act out. Mm-hmm. But it could be social pragmatic skills, right? Absolutely. There's so many factors, and I just think if we can try to get to the root of that problem, we can help hopefully mitigate some of those problems. But but the exciting part is our, our administrators, our school counselors, our teachers, they do not have the bandwidth or the time or the resources to handle every single child who is, might be having some trouble. So that's what I'm really hoping we can come in and just say, we can be your bandwidth. We can be your time. We can really give these kids a chance to, to figure out what's actually going on, the real reason, because we all know the behavior is just the symptom. Mm-hmm. So if we can get to the root, then hopefully we can send those kids back to school and they might have new skills where they can thrive. Very often we learn that children who are acting out, children, teenagers, young adults that are acting out, it's coming from um, a fount of real insecurity. Security yes. And, and, and a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And so they deviate their behavior. Exactly. So what, are, what have you envisioned as you, as you think about, okay, here, there's a lot of different problems that these teenagers are facing. Here are creative ways that I think we can address them. I think some of the biggest things are, um, you know, getting the kid out of their, their sometimes toxic, sometimes so much pressure-filled situations. When the kids are at school, they... Like, it's just a lot harder than it was when you and I were in school. I mean, it's just a different world right now with social media, with extra academic expectations. There are higher expectations now. Um, Even in sports performance. Exactly. Mm -hmm. After school, extracurricular activities. Parents are feeling the pressure to make sure their kids are totally ready for college. I mean, it's just a pressure cooker. It's so much pressure. So just the simple fact of taking a kid out of that pressure-filled environment, giving them a chance to just breathe for a minute. Just let's reconnect. Let's just get grounded. Um, we, we just want to give them some skills to help them to calm their own mind. So, I mean, just mindfulness that are totally rooted in science and evidence-based practices. Um, but just that by itself, I truly believe can be such a, an, a helpful skill for kids to learn how to do that for themselves. Because, I mean, we all know anxiety and depression are just through the roof right now. Yeah. In fact, in Utah, too, will identify it as being number one, number two in the nation exactly. for these diagnoses and for for, I don't know how our rates were at the end of 2018 for self-inflicted harm and for suicide, but mm-hmm. we've been in the top three Absolutely. in the country, which is not top. Uh, you know, that. It, in other words, we have children who are hurting. Yes, we do. We and also have adults who are hurting. True. But we, true. But, but we have children who are hurting and they rely on us. I spoke to a fascinating psychologist who works with children when they've been um, seeing trauma. And one of the things he said about how social media works, he says, you know, for children, if there is a big event that's occurred, um, whether it be a bullying situation or violence, if it's on social media, they're going to see it over and over Mm. and over and Mm -hmm. over again. So their exposure to a potential harm that can disrupt them, it's magnified over and over again. And that's why he was saying it's so important for us as parents to understand Mm -hmm. that taking devices away 
is actually freeing their children in yes. many ways from having to have that concussive experience that that are that are emotionally stimulating, exactly. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And I'm not a huge fan of taking them away completely, but just having those limits and for parents to be emotionally intelligent enough to say, my sweet, precious child, like this behavior that is happening over here, it's not okay. So I'm going to take the phone away for a day or maybe even a week or maybe even a month. Um, and, and being able to say, it's because I care about you. And I see, I recognize that you need a break from all this. This is too much for you to handle. So giving limits and boundaries with those cell phones, with our, our access to all of that technology, that is so important for parents to understand. Well, and we go back to modeling. I'm sure this is something that you're studying and they're talking about that. (laughs) If I tell my children, you know, if I have a basket by the dining room table that I say, all right, drop those phones here. Mm -hmm. And then I keep my phone in my hand. And as they're telling me about their day, I'm only half listening. The message to them is I'm not as important and using social media or, you know, whatever may be the connection, the digital connection is more important than relationships. So we have to model that back to them too. Absolutely. Yes, we have to. And for us to send the message that if I am going to expect you to set limits for yourself and to self-regulate and have the maturity to know when is enough, then I, I'm I'm going to do that too. So making sure that, yeah, like you're saying, we just have to model that behavior. It's so, so tricky. It can feel tricky. One of the other points that the specialist uh, shared with me is that we can't say when I was a kid, I handled things this way Mm -hmm. and I don't understand why my children are struggling. Well, it is legit that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. They are living they are swimming in a different ocean. They really are. Yeah. They absolutely are. And one of the most important things that that I want to make sure that parents understand is the power of labels. So, you know, with this suspension alternative program, I care about suspension because I was suspended multiple times in junior high school. And then my amazing principal decided to invest in me and fight for me. And he sent me to a camp and it changed my life. So that is I where am, this came from yes, for you. Yes, exactly. So I'm trying to pay forward what Dr. Bayless at Centennial Middle School in Provo, Utah gave to me. And that's a big deal for me. But the, but the reason why it's significant is because when we start labeling kids and we say you're bad or you're so immature, all the stereotypes, you're lazy, you're, you know, whatever. And we, and, and then eventually if we are kicking kids out of school, sending them the subconscious message that you're a bad kid, you're not good enough to be in our community. Children are, especially teenagers are trying to figure out who they are. They're, they're kind of pulling from all different sources of information of different input, trying to figure out what their identity is. So if, if they get a negative label that says I'm bad, I'm not, I'm not, you know, strong enough. I'm not a hard enough worker. When they start like really internalizing those labels, they rise to those expectations. And a lot of people, when I say some of the statistics that we know from data, from research about suspension, everyone is always skeptical because they don't get it. They don't understand it. If a child is suspended from school even once, they are twice as likely to drop out of school. So just in the state of Utah last year, we had 6,000 kids dropping out. Those are high school Say that again. If they're suspended just once, they are... Twice as likely to drop out of school. Mm. Twice as likely. So it's it's absolute proof. Texas A&M University did an awesome study where they found, and this was a nationwide study, thousands of participants, um, they found that the single greatest predictor of future incarceration is disciplinary referrals at school. 
that's where we know one of the switch points is. There's many, of course, but that's where one of the shifts start to happen is how we're disciplining kids in school, how we're labeling them. If we're saying you're a bad kid, they rise to that. I got suspended for bullying. That was my drug of choice. That's how I dealt with the pain of my parents' divorce. I was bulimic. I was failing a couple classes. I was getting bullied. And you're feeling uh, you're you're not happy at all. Exactly. Right? And I just had all this pressure going on and my drug of choice to numb myself. You know, some kids choose cutting, eating disorders, drugs and alcohol, pornography, shopping, gambling, food, suicide, all of those things. Mine was bullying. And when when people would say, you're a bully, Jesse, they would label me a bully. I said, oh, well, that's who I am then. I am a bully. So I'll show you a bully. Mm-hmm. And it, I rose to that expectation. And that led me to getting suspended from school four times. So the power of labels. So we need to be so careful as parents, as educators, as just caring adults in our community. We have to be so careful how we are labeling the challenging, quote unquote, the challenging, you know, kids that are that might be struggling, that might be for sure obnoxious and disrespectful and defiant for sure. That's the behavior. But we have to see that there's something else underneath that. And if we label them with those bad labels, they'll rise to those expectations. You know, one thing that comes over over and over again is that if children believe you truly care individually about them, mm-hmm. that reaches Absolutely. That, that that reaches them because um, and and I've expressed that when kid when parents have children that are in their the junior high years. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, they come from being a child to suddenly the most self-critical time in their life. They're just building their identity mm-hmm. in that sixth, seventh, eighth grade time period. And they don't, not, you know, they're struggling with, I don't know who I am. I don't like who I am. Mm-hmm. At a time, everybody in those schools are saying, I don't really know. Who exactly. I am. So you don't have a lot of mature behavior. And I used to always tell my kids, you know, your friends are acting that way because they're children. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they shouldn't act that way. But let's remember their children. Yes. They haven't learned yet the appropriate way to handle their temper. They That's haven't right. learned yet. You know, um, their their brains haven't developed. There's a lot. There's Absolutely. a lot going on. But those are intense years. Do yeah. we see from, from that those who are dropping out that their behavior starts to pop up in those junior high years, those kind of mm-hmm. suspension led Mm-hmm. Um, behavior. It's it's popping up in those junior high years. Absolutely. Okay. It, it's such a huge spike from literally the second they step into a junior high school. Huge spike in bullying, in self-harm, in just disrespectful behavior in school, stress, anxiety, depression. That's where the spike starts it's happening. It's interesting, too, because if you look at the way we function in schools, in the elementary ages, we have one teacher exactly. throughout the day who knows that child. Yes. Then they go into an environment where they only spend 45, 50 minutes with a teacher and moving on and on. Mm-hmm. So they may be getting lost exactly. in the in the crowd. Huh? They, and they're missing out on those incredibly important opportunities to have an adult mentor, a caring adult in their life who gives them some consistency. There's so many wonderful studies about that exact thing, how much kids really need a caring adult. So for anybody who's listening, think of a kid. It could be your own, of course, but think of a kid just in your neighborhood or maybe at your at your kid's school that just needs a caring adult and be that person for them. It could take five seconds. My my favorite part of my story that I love to share is when my amazing principal sent me to this camp, two days into this week-long event, this woman came up to me. Her name was Miss Sarah. And this was a program that was just happening in Provo School District. But she came up to me and she handed me a megaphone. And she said, hey, Jesse, I just need you to get on this megaphone. And every 10 minutes, tell everyone at this camp, there were like 100 kids, that it's time to rotate activities. They were all doing different things. And she said, I think you'd be good at this, Jesse. Mm. And that was the first time in two years 
an adult had said something kind to me and it took her five seconds to breathe life into me. And I discovered I loved that megaphone. I loved it. I was good at it. And I went back to that camp multiple summers as a camp counselor and leadership replaced my need to bully. It was so healing and so powerful. I learned the power of service. I learned how how much I really love to be helpful. And now I want to be a social You could worker. claim your power, but claim it in a way that built people exactly. rather than um, brought them down. How beautiful. Amazing. For those who just joined us, this is Jessie Funk. You've heard her over the years, an incredible award-winning musician mm-hmm. living right here in Utah, talking about the dream come true, which is the construction and the development of what's called Ivy Ranch. So at what point will Ivy Ranch be available for school? schools or parents to be able to reach out if their child is suspended and find Ivy Ranch as an option. I'm really hoping that here in the next month we can buy land and we can start building. So I'm really hoping we can actually have it ready up and running in about a year and a half. Do you have areas that you're looking at? Because Wasatch Front is a big place, isn't it? We're going to Heber. Okay. Yeah, because I love it. And it's pretty central. So we can, um, you know, serve the schools in Logan all the way down to St. George. That's the plan. And they have a little airport as well. So I thought that would be a good place. I'm in love with Heber. It was one of my yeah, favorite places. One as of a my kid. favorite girls' camps is up in Heber. Right, I love exactly. love the 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 um the undeveloped um, trails yes, that you exactly. can kind of walk and find that piece. Yeah. And so. we're trying to um, just introduce ourselves to the neighborhood. And so we're going on a tour throughout the entire state to every junior high and high school in the whole state. We're going to do a bunch of assemblies, but we're also just going to show up and do morning announcements and have like some fun dance parties in the middle of lunch. And we want to meet every single principal just to let them know that we're working at creating a resource for them. And we want to just let the kids know what we're doing. So we want to give the kids opportunities to come and be leaders at at our summer camps. So we just want to let everyone know what we're doing. And so that's going to take place all of 2019-2020 school year. That's very, very exciting. Yeah. And it, is there a web page yet for us to go to, Ivy yes. Ranch? Yes, ivyranch.org. So in the winter months, the camp would be still functioning mm-hmm. fall, winter, early spring before yeah. the summer camp goes on. Yeah, leadership camps all mm-hmm. summer and then dur- during the whole school year is the suspension alternative program. The leadership camps, are you looking at a five-day, seven-day, three-day model? What are you thinking of? Five-day, Monday to okay. Friday, because then on Saturdays, we're hoping to also create a place where community members can come and create amazing memories with their families. We want to do Halloween carnivals and Christmas benefit concerts and Easter egg hunts and Fourth of July picnics and really fun places where families can also gather. This is such a big dream, yeah. and, and, and which is <laughs> a it's big. a beautiful thing. Is this your dream where you ca- where you individually continue to think about all the ways you think this could fortify families, fortify students, strengthen and back up the educational system? Or have you met with a team of others to, to try to figure out what solutions could be the most effective and helpful? This has been my dream since I was 12. I literally built my dream of a ranch out of plywood and like foam core when I was a little kid. I And I have pictures of it. Like it, this has been the only thing that I've really, really wanted all my life. So it started with me, but I have a wonderful support group of amazing people within the community. Our wonderful Attorney General, Sean Reyes, he's going on tour with us. He's going to speak at some of these schools. Wonderful. We have amazing professors at the University of Utah. We have um, legislator Sandra Hollins, who fights for restorative justice in schools, which is a suspension alternative right there. Um, just wonderful supports, great teachers, great school counselors, a wonderful principals that are already on board. So we're starting some great conversations about how we can invest in our kids and, and try for 
for positive discipline. I want to ask a difficult question because as a parent of children who had learning disabilities, Mm -hmm. often the school system was very supportive, but they didn't have the resources or, as you mentioned, the bandwidth Mm -hmm. to be able to attend to the individual needs of my children, right? In the classroom, they were doing their best. But outside of that, I had to look for different resources, people, and often pay for that privately. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be um, a, a location that will require private funds, private slash public funds? How will a parent, will it be cost prohibitive? And just talk a little bit about that with me. I am desperately hoping that we can make it a very, very low cost program, especially the suspension program to have kids come up for um, as a suspension alternative. And obviously the parents are going to have to be okay with their kid going and they can choose. We just want to be a resource. That's all. But I'm really hoping that program by itself can be totally free. And then during the summer when we do our summer camps, I want those to be very, very low cost because there's a lot of great summer camps around, but they are in the hundreds of dollars. And I would like this to be very affordable. We're going to offer plenty of scholarships. I'm We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So I'm I'm working, trying to get grants and state funding and private donations. We, we're really looking at every option. So well, being a mother of a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, right? Yes, right? yes exactly. <laughs> well, as you're juggling that and, and your PhD. Yeah. On a little side note, I do take annually uh, youth on expeditions to do humanitarian work. And we go outside of the country. And the thing that my the parents of some of these children will say to me is that, well, they've got this and this challenge. Good luck. Kind of we're excited for you. And then when I come back to say, you should have seen how your 14-year-old's heart was so big mm. that when there, we walked through an orphanage, your child was the first mm. to embrace other children. I mean, it, they sometimes children just need the curtains pulled mm-hmm. and an opportunity to to be good and outside of the things that box them in. Amen. And and I'm sure that that is part of the, your heartfelt vision Absolutely. is pulling them out of a stressful environment and giving a chance to relearn mm-hmm. about what the potential within them, and and then. Stop that instead of the suspension leading to twice uh, the chances of being dropped out of high school. That one suspension just being the beginning of a new opportunity. That's right. It sends them on that trajectory and they really believe it. They believe that they're bad. I've talked to hundreds of kids all over the country who have been suspended in my research and getting ready for this. And they really do internalize that they are bad people, not that they did a bad thing that they are bad human beings. And that is the tragedy. So if we can just get them to buy a new belief, if we can challenge that belief in themselves and say, oh, no, 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 no. Every human being is worthy of love. Every human being is worthy of a second chance. You are making bad choices. We're going to have consequences. We're going to have very firm limits, but we're going to affirm these kids' humanity and their worth. They are absolutely so worthy of a fresh start. And we're going to try to give them the skills in order to do that so that they don't believe that label, that they're bad. Was it a principal or a teacher that identified that your behavior could possibly be changed by going to a camp? Was it a principal or a teacher? It was my principal. It was Dr. Bayless. Yep. So, so does Dr. Bayless know now he where does. You're, what you're planning to do? He does. I have emailed him and I, I said 25 years ago, I was a really obnoxious seventh grader at Centennial Middle School. And I just said, you changed my life. And we've had some really sweet conversations. He's a good man. There's something about that when you have a few scars in your life, and all of us do have scars. All of us make mistakes. It's just part of the human condition. We just make them at different times of our life and at at, at different uh, levels of impact on others. But it seems to me that when we experience pain, loss, um, rejection, 
uh, fear, all those things, it can make us um, be more empathetic to the needs of others around us. It becomes that potential strength for us because we look for it mm-hmm. and other people totally. and, and look to try to do that. So that, I just think what you're doing is really beautiful. Oh, I'm so grateful, Rebecca. I, I've, I've talked to so many bullies, like specifically. I've been kind of labeled like the bully coach because a lot of moms or dads, their kid gets suspended for bullying. Mm-hmm. And so they'll call me and... I love those kids. Like I instantly love them, even though they are sometimes downright disrespectful to me. They're defiant. They're they're surly. You know, they have that attitude that some teenagers have. But I don't know. I I can see past it. So like you're saying, I have this uh, what I feel is a gift to be able to have the empathy to see, Okay, this is not a bad kid. This is a really good kid who is making bad choices, but who is also functioning at what they know. They're using tools that they know. So what what I always see is they need more education. They need basic psychology. They need conflict resolution skills. They need to have some coping skills so that they know how to deal with pain in a healthy way instead of, you know, trying to punch a hole in the wall. Like they just need different programming. So I'm a huge advocate for making sure that we're giving the kids the tools that they need. And so, and we need time in order to do that. And I think that's where the five days comes in. Right. Yeah. And in a school, they don't have the time. It's not their fault. Our wonderful educators, they are doing the very best that they can. They need extra community help. So that's what I'm hoping the ranch can do. It will be called Ivy Ranch or it Mm -hmm. is called Ivy Ranch. Pardon Mm -hmm. me. The vision, the dream, uh, the resource that will be in our community by Jesse Funk. We have just a couple of minutes and I wanted to say, Now, some of these children will return to their home environment. Mm -hmm. Will there be potential resources for parents who may want to be helping support the positive tools you're teaching their youth but don't have access to Yes, I'm so glad you asked that. That's one of my favorite parts about this. So when the kids come to us for the suspension program, we are going to have the parents um, hopefully the ideal situation is that they would drop the kid off, they would attend a two-hour orientation with their child, and then when we have the kid for the whole week, the parents are home watching a daily video, working through a workbook. They are also offered counseling because we're going to have licensed therapists at the facility, and then when they pick their kid up on Friday, they attend a three-hour Um, kind of closing ceremony, basically. So they're part of the journey with their child, learning skills right alongside their child. And then this is my very favorite part. We offer an accountability program. So let's say we have Johnny for a whole week and we say, dude, you did everything that we asked you to do. You were cleaning the poop out of the horse stalls. You were mending the fences. You were encouraging other kids. You were showing up on time. You were doing everything that we asked you to do. We see leadership skills in you, buddy. We see awesome leadership skills in you, and we want you to come back and be a mentor at our summer camp next summer. But you cannot come back unless you have amazing behavior for the rest of the school year. So every month, we're going to talk to you. We're going to talk to your parents. We're going to talk to the school and make sure that you're on track. And if you earn the opportunity to come back, we are going to be so excited to have you. I love that model. I right? love that like model. accountability, right? Yes. It's exciting because then we pull them in. Do you offer what's called tracking or trackers, but they're mm-hmm. very hard to find and mm-hmm. they typically are just working on whether assignments get turned in or not. But this is that expanded support that both parents and educators and uh, obviously the youth need. Ivy Ranch, where can we get more information about it? IvyRanch.org. IvyRanch.org. Org, and if there's any questions in particular, yeah, um, actually, you could just email me, um, the Ivy Ranch at gmail.com. That goes straight to me, the Ivy Ranch at gmail.
All right. Thank you so much, Jesse Funk. Congratulations. Rebecca, I love you. Thank I can't you. wait for us to have an accountability meeting interview. <laughs> you let me know how things are going in the fall, okay? And I can't wait until you come and speak and mentor uh, these kids it, in the summer, and it, I am serious. It'll be my <laughs> my honor and privilege. Thank you for taking the dream of a 12-year-old girl and making it a reality. What a beautiful thing makes me emotional. TheIvyLeague.org. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.